Yo, Rob Harvilla from 60 Songs That Explain the 90s here to inform you that we are back with 30 more songs because the 90s were super long and had a ton of rad music. Please join us every Wednesday for more 60 Songs That Explain the 90s only on Spotify. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Verno. How are you doing this morning, man? That was uh, quite an eventful game. Andrew Wiggins, how about that guy? Finally, I think for our audience and the world at large, can see what I have been preaching about him. For so long, you know, I've tried to convince people that Andrew Wiggins is finally finding his role. This is the perfect situation for him. <laughs> He's going to dominate the NBA Finals. Verdo Domus, right? Just, just, just you wait. In a pivotal game five, we're going to come out of it talking about Andrew Wiggins and how... He is swinging the balance of power within this finals. Um, All joking aside, 42 minutes, 26 points, 13 rebounds. Now, over the course of the last two games, uh, he has tallied 43 points and 29 rebounds uh, in what were two Boston wins. Uh, 12 for 23 last night and, of course, led them in scoring. Also had two steals, a block, and zero turnovers in the game. Um, You never know when it comes to these games, right? Certainly, we didn't think that once upon a time against Milwaukee, we'd come out talking about how Grant Williams is taking as many threes as, as Steph Curry in a game against Milwaukee that is helping them uh, move on to the next round. And these last two games, he has been monstrous for the Warriors. There is no doubt about it. Um, And I also think 
uh, when we talk about, like, all right, who else shows up in these games? Who else shows up? And you have been able to say a name for Golden State, an obvious one, once the, the ones, once it plays out as, okay, there's a guy that maybe you weren't counting on that went huge for you. And that has not happened on the flip side for Boston. And I think it's fair to say, I think that's why we're where we are in the series. Is that fair? I think it's incredibly fair to say, especially after last night's game. I mean, like, look, Chris, like we argued back and forth about him. We made our fun $100 bet. You know, I like the acquisition. You said he'd be bounced. But like, neither of us could have seen him stepping up in the way that he has in the NBA Finals. Turning it up to this level uh, and playing at the defensive level that he has, he's done such a remarkable job on Jason Tatum. Well, he, and, and, he really uh, has. Let, let me defend myself on one sense. I didn't see them paying the $32 million for Andrew Wiggins, right, as time went on. That, you know, in the absence of Clay, fine. But once these contracts all kick in and get, and the Draymond one gets bigger and the Steph one gets bigger, the luxury tax bill is just so insane. Well, that was the point in the acquisition. It's the fact that he's filling that Harrison Barnes, Kevin Durant role. You know, right. between Steph, Clay, and Draymond as that wing defender. I, I didn't think you had buckets. to pay somebody 32 million bucks to do that. Yeah, honestly, I still don't. Yeah, well, that was those were the circumstances. You have Kevin Durant; he wants to go to Brooklyn. You get D'Angelo Russell; he doesn't, you know, conform to the system in the way you want. And then you get Andrew Wiggins in a first round pick that turns into Jonathan Kuminga. I mean, like, look, dude. Like, I, I thought, like, I think, you know, that that turned out to be. Now that we're in the NBA Finals, the Warriors are up three two. That decision turned out to be one of the pivotal ones that Golden State made to potentially now win another NBA Finals because of what Wiggins has turned into in new situations. He, Andrew Wiggins is proof that players can change, that they can evolve, that they can adapt. And the Golden State Warriors are proof that you can take in one of those players as long as they have the right qualities and the open-mindedness to change, that they can flourish playing in a new environment. So, like, Wiggins talked about it after the game last night. Kerr did. All these guys have all season, you know, last couple seasons. The fact that it's turned into what it has, not just for Wiggins, though, but for guys like Gary Payton, right? I mean, we've talked about him throughout the postseason, guys like Otto Porter. It really does just show how this warrior system allows players to flourish in specific roles next to Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And those guys last night, I mean, how amazing is it that Steph Curry doesn't have a three-pointer for the first time in over 200 games? Clay looking better defensively. Draymond Green, he fouls out, but he was tremendous defensively, I thought, in his men's, like, constantly in Celtics airspace. Even, like, like dribble handoff actions with Robert Williams. Draymond is, like, in his grill, just making things difficult the whole night. But, you know, like you said, Chris, sometimes it's those others, other than the stars, uh, that are making the difference in the, the series. And it was Andrew Wiggins last night. And, you know, you just get to credit the Warriors for taking a chance on him and seeing the vision. Um, of him changing his game. And you, more than anybody, though, you get to credit Andrew Wiggins for fully embracing what has been asked of him with the understanding that this is for the greater good of the team and can lead to something great. And now they're just one game away. 
You also do wonder, and I know you don't want to talk about the money, but they have the highest payroll in the NBA by a wide margin. Yeah, I just don't think it's a factor. Teams should be paying. The teams that aren't paying are the pathetic teams. No, is the, this the, the price the of doing Chris, business? It is. Chris, I grew, no, I grew up a Boston sports fan. My team's always paid. Right. And I saw other fan bases not pay. And then I got hired into sports media, and I heard stories about teams and other organizations that, don't prioritize winning and they prioritize just making money or just making the postseason to get playoff revenue. And I think that's pathetic. So I commend the Warriors for paying to try to win something greater. That's the way I look at it. More than anything else, these other teams, they're the ones that should be getting some blame here. They're the ones that should be criticized more. Pay up, these billionaire owners. You have a winning, you have a sports organization. Yes, you should be paying a lot of money, especially when you have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green on your team. You should be paying the hell out of the roster to take advantage of those legends. Yep. Um, and, and Wiggins is the third highest paid player on that team. Good. Um, behind, and they, and they, they had to get something, Chris. Behind Thompson and Curry. No, and you just wonder from a league standpoint, is this the price of doing business, right? Is this the price of doing business? I mean, those were such unusual circumstances, though. Kevin Durant leaves through sign and trade. They mm -hmm. get D'Angelo Russell back. So they, they took money back in order to get KD to Brooklyn and to get additional flexibility. It was just strange circumstances. Like, they could have not done that, but it made sense for them to do that. Right. And I think because you are a Boston sports fan and because you're not in a small market, it is, it's different, right? I mean, the amount of money that they generate is so much greater than, you know, when I was growing up, the, the teams in the, in the big markets, they could, they could spend, outspend you by, you know, 60, $70 million um, on teams. And now what we're seeing is your owner has got to be willing to just bite the bullet and pay. Exactly. Pay up for your roster exactly. or else you're not going to be able to compete, which exactly. is, you know, 100%. well, they tried to penalize that so to make it more fair for everybody. But the truth is, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to pay up. And to and to their credit, like say Milwaukee, who had a championship caliber team. I mean, it, uh, they let PJ Tucker walk. Well, I they think let it, him go. One of the things we need to pay attention to is if you're not in the luxury tax, it's very hard to believe that you're going to be able to compete for a title, right? You look at all the teams that are in the luxury tax. And so when we talk about, hey, that owner doesn't want to go into the luxury tax, it's going to inform us whether or not, because that's the, that is the price of doing business, right? The, the, the owner is not willing to spend into the luxury tax and sell their teams. Fair enough. That's what they should do. Sell their teams to another billionaire or a group of billionaires who are willing to do it. That's what they should do. They should sell their teams. I think it's a much different deal now than it was because you have had this influx of, young ownership the older yes. owners were not like they the, there was a lot of older owners and i say this as someone who covered an older owner uh michael Isley, god rest his soul but those are the kind of guys that like built their own business yeah and they and they and they viewed this thing as a business right and you just look in memphis no further right like robert para right now is one of the richest men in the world and he yeah, you know, they have gone out of their way in Memphis to say we will, we're not losing keeping this team together because of money. So don't worry about that, right? They've quelled everybody's fears about that. But it seems the Robert, sim similar in Minnesota. 
right? Yeah. Like with A-Rod and Lars, like they're, yeah. they're already spending for their GM. No, but once upon a time, I remember I was on the radio at the time and it was like Pau Gasol went and was the second banana for Kobe and he won a title, right? And everybody's like, see, Pau Gasol was ever. And I'm thinking to myself at the time, like, hey, if the Grizzlies wanted to just take $75 million and go get players, I promise you, they could have an awesome team too. Mm -hmm. But like, you're not going to be, you can't have Pau Gasol as your second best player. In in a, in in a small market at that time, and now Andrew Wiggins being your third or fourth best player, even if his price tag is huge, is surprising doing business, man. It is, and yeah. But who is, else? Was, who else was taking Andrew Wiggins? I really don't know. At that price, I mean, I don't know what he'll get when he gets a contract extension. I mean, like, it's like yes, this is partially about you know what this team is willing to do. Um, but it's also it's also more than anything just about the individuals. I, I just think more than anything, Andrew Wiggins is the example number number one right now in the NBA of how situation, opportunity, mindset, approach, open mindedness like those are the qualities for that matter, right? And, and, like those those are the those are the factors that matter. And, and with him, he he took he took what worked in Minnesota. And he's doing more of it in Golden State and less of what didn't work. The inefficient shot chucking, the blinders that he wore on drives to the basket, the fact he didn't hustle consistently on defense, the fact he wasn't attentive crashing the boards. He himself changed all of that by choice, by developing new habits over the course of time in his new environment. And so I think for him and like he just improved as a spot up three point shooter too. statistically, like he's always been great from the corners on spot-up three-pointers, so he's taking more of those, but he's also done a good job of extending his range to above the break on spot-ups, too. He's been better there, but his skill skill level improvement, approach and mindset level improvement, and just the fact that, I mean, like, watching him play, it, for Minnesota fans, I can't imagine how infuriating it is. Because, like, for years, you draft this guy number one, he has some great flashes and moments over the years, but has never was never able to put it together. And now he's in this new situation and all the great things that you heard about him pre-draft have how, how really manifested more than anything. This isn't about the money. This is about Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steve Kerr and Bob Myers and all everything that that, that organization built and the culture and the system that they built that can bring in an Andrew Wiggins who's somebody who people thought sucked. I didn't like Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota, Chris. I didn't like him. I nobody said his did. contract. Would, I no, said, nobody I remember, did. I once tweeted that his contract would be an albatross unless he learned how to pass, dribble, <laughs> and play defense. It was, <laughs> 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 it was like basketball yeah. basics. Right. I didn't like Wiggins. I didn't even like him in the draft. I had him behind Jabari Parker, just like <laughs> Jason Tatum did. Yeah. <laughs> you saw that tweet from Tatum saying Parker is better than Wiggins from like eight years ago. Oh I, my I God. felt that way too. Somebody pulled a Tatum. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jason Tatum tweeted that like in 20, 2014. Oh, or I like love Jabari Parker too. Yeah, me too. He was I great. Did. Six, six, eight reminded me of like a little bit like mellow, right? Well, and I remember <laughs> that there was like the, who was, who was the coach that was it? I think it was like a Johnny Dawkins, uh, Stanford team. Like there wasn't even all that good. 
And I remember Wiggins in the NCAA tournament. And I'm like, where is this guy? Like, does he, like, this guy's supposed to be the number one pick in the draft. He floated <laughs> in and out of stuff and whatever, but he certainly made his presence felt last night. It, it, by the way, by the way, with Wiggins, he has one year left on his, on that expensive contract you're mentioning, Chris. Yep. He's going to have opportunities to leave, I'm sure. I'm confident. Like, teams are going to be like, yeah, we're betting on Andrew Wiggins, a changed man. After his time with the Warriors, going to bring that culture to our system. Some team's going to do that. I, I kind of hope to see Andrew Wiggins continue on with the Warriors. I, lo- I love the fit. It's just, a, it's a great story. I do think that cool. that was absolutely a, uh, something that everybody thought was going to, like, it was just understood that Andrew Wiggins is going to be gone after this, and he has changed that. I think yeah. now you look at it and you go, you know what? We're going to run this Dude. back and as, as much as we can, right? His, his defense on Tatum. I mean, what was the number entering game, game five? 27.5% on shots inside the arc. It's not, that's not just Wiggins. But he's just done such a good job steering Tatum defensively into, you know, less than ideal angles attacking the basket that Tatum would typically have. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Bet the money line, point spreads, player props, and so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with a same-game parlay. All right, so we're thinking about Game 6. I figure, look, I thought at the beginning of this it was going to go seven games. So in Game 6, bounce back for Jalen Brown. I'd say Jalen Brown goes big game. So we'll go over 25 points, Jalen Brown, Celtics win, and then he could throw in like uh, over four three-pointers for Jason Tatum because all he does is shoot threes anymore anyway. He can't make a two-point field goal. Just sign up with the promo code MISMATCH. I just gave you a same-game parlay. If you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing in on all the action. Join today with the promo code MISMATCH and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like Game 7 with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager of at least $5. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in What's happened with the Celtics? Sum it up. I, I mean, like, what is what is this team? I mean, like, how 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 do you sum it up other than like this is just who they are? It's helter skelter. It's up and down. Like, you don't know what you're gonna get. One moment they're passing the ball, whipping it around, and it's beautiful crisp ball movement, getting open three pointers. And the next minute they're just in sludge, and the ball doesn't move. It's just it's just very confusing i've talked to people like around the organization about it and i think a lot of them are confused too where it's just like this team just for whatever reason gets into these funks and i think do you think chris it's some it's due largely to the fact they don't have that steadying presence i mean as smart brown tatum i mean those are your primary handlers none of them are key playmakers uh is it that 
Um, is it the fact that, you know, Brown's 25, Tatum's 24 years old, that these guys are still just not great enough yet? They're great players, but are they just not great enough yet? Like, have their flaws been exposed just by the Warriors? Is that really what it is? Like, Brown's handle and, and Tatum's inefficiency inside the arc, like, that's not a new thing on pull-up two-point jumpers. Is it just the inefficiencies have been exposed? I think that they are extremely dependent upon those two, right? And you can you could pretty well draw a line between the Brown games that and and the Celtics' success and the Brown games and the successes and, and the Celtics' failures. Yeah, truly. With the, I mean, throughout this whole deal, and especially in this series, most importantly in this series, because you know. That's what you wonder is like, all right, you, you had the the Derek White flash in a pan. You had the Al Horford flash in the pan. They both came in the same game, and those have evaporated, right? Like, it, if we're talking about, like, who's getting me 20? Like, who's getting me the 26 that Andrew Wiggins got last night? You know, it feels like the mm. answer is, okay, it could be this guy, it could be this guy, but more than likely, it's not any of these guys. So Tatum and Brown have to be amazing, right? It's That's like, it's, the like a, it's like a hot Al Horford shooting night. It's a it's a hot Marcus Smart shooting night. It's not usually like with Wiggins last night. It was a lot of self creation, right? Yeah. Like he had he had the ISO on Derek White, the one on Robert Williams, and like a lot of times he was just attacking closeouts in a straight line to get to the to the paint. Well, because he missed every three he took. Well. Well, I mean, that, and, you know what exactly. I mean? Well, well, that's the advantage with Wiggins uh, in his situation now. It's like he he doesn't need to be the guy every night. He just can be, you know, the guy on nights he's feeling it. And he was feeling it, had good opportunities to score on some mismatches, you know, at least on paper, on right. drives to the basket. So that worked. And like, whereas the Celtics, you know, you're saying that they have Derek White and they have Marcus Smart, these guys who can create, but they're not necessarily these mid-range dudes with floaters and, you know, can finish at the rim and draw fouls. You know, Wiggins had to dunk at the end of the game. They're not like that. They're not right. like, like those, like Wiggins, say what you want about him. Like the dude was a 25 point per game score. Like he could do it on a high inefficient volume. That's right. But like in that, but you had to do it every night. Now he can just do it on some nights. And, and, and they have just rotated when the Celtics have had success. And look, I fully expect that in game six, it's going to show up. And then we're going to go into game seven and we're going to be debating about this series <laughs> and about the legacy of all of this. And it's like, did they figure something out? And did they find something with whoever? You know, maybe Derek White shows back up. Maybe Al Orford shows back up. Maybe Grant yeah. Williams. De Derek White's just going to get another baby come. Maybe Peyton Pritchard is playable. He wasn't even playable last no. night in that game, right? And he had had the best plus-minus on their team. The and he Celtics, was just... The Celtics look like, I mean, you, you see the Warriors pulling out Bielitsa sometimes, Iguodala yep. sometimes, you know? Like, they're pulling out different pieces on their bench. Porter. The Celtics, yeah, Porter. I mean, the Celtics, it's like they got six and a half guys. Right. And, they, and the Celtics, all. I mean, both teams, I thought Steph had tired legs last night. I was talking to some people after the game about that. It just seemed like he just... Didn't have his legs. Oh, the Celtics right? were done yeah. in the four, yeah. by the way. And, and, and the, also, the 44 yeah. minutes caught up to those kids. Exactly. You see all 100%. those missed free throws? Exactly. Like, the Celtics also seem tired. And Boston, 
they did a good job attacking Steph over and over in that third yep. quarter. I I, th- I looked at the number on second spectrum after, uh, during the game last night, and I believe it was they targeted him in the pick and roll eleven times in the in the minutes he was on the floor in the third quarter alone, eleven times. So that's like once per minute, pretty much, right? So Jeez. they were going at Steph, trying to wear him out, and even on the other end of the floor earlier in the game, they were applying more pressure on him. It's just that was leading some to some open shots for team other teammates, which is to be expected. But I wonder, like, do they do this again? I thought they six? did an amazing job on Steph defensively. I uh, I thought that I mean because inevitably oh they did a great job. Anytime anybody has a bad game, it's like, oh, is he hurt? Is he roughed up? That was about to me that Steph performance was about the Celtics defense where they finally, it took five damn games, but they finally cut off the airspace that he was getting off those high screens. You saw the Grant Williams block on him. You saw one where Rob Williams, he came up so fast that he caught him in midair. And Steph had to, remember this one? He was about to shoot and he looked and he had to end up dishing it off before he hit the ground. And they were up on those screens. All night and closing out that airspace. And if the other guys, if the Wigginses are going to kill us, if the Clays are going to kill us, if the if Gary Payton's going to run the baseline and kill us, then so be it. But you just saw so much attention paid to Curry, and I thought it worked to their benefit. And honestly, if I'm Ime Udoka, if I'm a Boston fan, I sit there and I I, I look at last night's game and I go, okay. The biggest, the hardest part for us is the Steph Curry thing. This has been a big problem because we have not been able to slow him down. We did an amazing job on Steph Curry, and we got beat by Andrew Wiggins, and we got beat by some, uh, you know, auxiliary parts. I would keep that same game plan, and I'd say, bro, if we're going to lose to a team scoring 102 points, then fine. <laughs> fine. Like, we've got to be able to score 103 points. End of story. You know, it was a, it was a thing going in that the offense had, 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 had you know, that's, that, that was the problem with the Celtics. The offense has failed them. Well, I thought last night did a great job on Curry. If you get beat by the others, you get beat by the others. But it's not going to be death by Curry in, that, in the same way that he had been doing it thus far. And... I figure out a way offensively to get myself to 103 because I think the and and you know they 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 piled on a little bit there at the end you know to, it it went up to 16 for a minute mm-hmm. and you know but through the majority of the game they are defensively good enough you have got to be able to win if you give up 102 got to that's an offense problem that's not a defense problem and so I thought their I thought their defense on Curry you know, certainly enabled those other guys to have big games because he does have that kind of gravity. But I I thought they did by far the best job they've done the whole damn series. That uh that run at the start of the fourth quarter. Well, we're actually really starting with the Jordan Poole three pointer at the end of the third. Um that was the, the like Boston Boston just collapsed, man. It felt it felt like that's it did. That's where they might have lost the finals. The start of the fourth quarter, first four and a half minutes, no Steph on the floor. And you score two points. 
I thought it just shot up. I mean, the, the, the crowd went absolutely nutso. I mean, look, I, I think anybody watched that. I jumped out of my chair. I could not believe that. That Joker hit some crazy-ass heaves. Poole does. Yeah. And he does. he's done it since college. I guess somebody posted last night he's done it since high school. He's like the he's like the best heaver at end of you know beating the clock ever. But if you go back, that 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 pool shot comes off of this just miserable Celtics possession. That's like Jalen taking a crap shot at the end. I mean, I think it like kind of summed it up where it's like end of the shot clock. Okay, go make something happen. And Jalen takes his shot. They get the rebound, and that enables pool to get up the court and even get a shot off um, at that time. And then obviously it went downhill from there in that fourth quarter. But I really thought, I thought I, they looked dead leg to me, really. I mean, four air balls for Tatum? Come on. When has that yeah. ever happened? Four shots that did not hit anything? And he's not going to the rim at all. And I don't think it's just because he's not finishing. I mean, it's well-documented. He's like 30% from two-point range in this finals, which is just ludicrous. But, I mean, he's not even going to the basket. Um, Brown had a couple really good finishes, especially in that Celtics run, but he was, he was pretty miserable overall in the game, and I just think they are so dependent. I think those two both have to be awesome. I do. Because no, I, yeah. I I don't really trust the third guy, and I don't know. But inevitably, this team has bounced. That Celtics team has bounced back all the time. They look dead when they're going to play a game six in Milwaukee, and Tatum has forty six. They look dead when they're having to go back and play Miami, and they pull it off. So I'm certainly not counting them out. For sure. That, that's the story of this team. It is. Right? It, it really is the story of this team. You cannot count them out. They've been in this position two series in a row now, like you said. You know, cut, coming back from 3-2 against the Bucks, and then they blow game six at home against Miami, but they win game seven and almost blow game seven as well, for what it's worth. <laughs> almost blew, almost oh, blew God. game seven, Chris. I but, know. Uh, that LeBron late. One thing, one thought. Um, we haven't mentioned the names Robert Williams or Al Horford yet today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I think Al Horford looks tired. Um, like he looks his age right now. Mm. And whereas Robert Williams, how many minutes can he play? Is my question because he plays thirty minutes last night. He's a plus eleven. Looks very good defensively. He looked like Robert Williams, altering shots. Looked active. Can Robert Williams push it to forty and not? get tired no hurt, way whatever no way i mean it's a it's a must win game six i know i'm just but i'm just wondering can has he ever played 40 minutes you got to remember a kid's got the knee problem yeah too. I, I know he does i know he has knee problems but that's my that's why the question is being asked can he play 40 minutes you know I what mean, i'm saying i, I, I like, think can, the answer like, is he? not hey can rob williams play 40 minutes hey can we not suck when he's not the, out there you know, I mean, somebody if, he, if, he's, if he's out, if he's out there more, that means like that he's someone else is out there less. <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? <laughs> That's all I've asked. Can he play more? I just wonder, like, what what are the limits? Yeah. How well, far part, can he be pushed? Part of it, you did have the loony foul trouble early, right? So I mean, they don't really have big guys. That that Warriors team 
is does not have size. Um, oh, and last, it, last time he played over 40 minutes was January 10th against the Pacers. What did he do? He have a big game? He had 14 points, 12 rebounds, four steals, three blocks. Yeah, time six Lord. in the game. I mean, hell, you only got what, like you said, six and a half at this point. You yeah. may just end up playing them all 48 minutes. I know. I, I mean, I, I just wonder, like, how, like, Maybe. I wonder what, what the limits are right now, given his injury, given the durability, given the knee soreness, maybe fatigue issues as well. Like, I just, I wonder where the limits are for him. So you think it just ends up getting, even though we felt like those guys, you know, were kind of gassed at the end there, is there anybody else that you can see becoming trustworthy for Udoka? I mean, it hurts when Pritchard can only play five minutes because yeah. he's spooked and running out of bounds. Yeah, and, 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 and Grant Williams, you know, kind of lost his shot for a couple of weeks now. And Derek White. Guy got a couple of profiles written on him and went to witness protection. Poor Mirren Fader. Mirren Fader, this is, this is payback for the Giannis book becoming the most well-timed book in the history of, of journalism, right? She writes a Giannis book that drops after he has a 50-point finals game and finals MVP and, and the whole thing. And then, I mean, she tried her hand again. She said, you know what? I'm going to write about Derek White. And he... Not the same results. <laughs> yeah. Great profile. Yeah, not great the profile. same result. Yeah, yeah, Derek, Derek White with one point last night. Yeah. <laughs> need, need more out of that for the guy you gave up, you know, pretty good amount for. Yeah. Derek White and, you know, I actually thought Grant made some plays. I did. I thought Grant made some plays at least yeah. last night. He's just going to find his three-pointer again. Pritchard got, you know, abandoned completely mm-hmm. in that game. And then... What did we talk about on uh, Friday where I said, Kevin, I do think you're going to be able to look at the turnover thing. Celtics turned it over like crazy in the second half, and the Warriors did it. 18 to 6, dude. 18 to 6. I mean, six it is what turnovers. it is, yeah. right? Which of these teams is going to give the other one extra possessions? Which one of these teams is going to let the other one get out in space so that you can't match up and set your defense? Because they're both outstanding defenses when they're set up. But when it becomes the scramble, that's when the Warriors are most successful. And the Celtics have to not turn the ball over in order to prevent it. And that's what's been an Achilles heel for them in these losses. I feel like they're throwing the ball around and, you know, it wasn't even Steph in space last night. It was all of them. You know? Mm. I, uh, I don't know. How you feel about it now after you've been to these last two? You were there. Uh, for the games in Boston, now you've been, uh, now you were at that one last night at Golden State. Did it feel like, oh, the pivotal game five where the team wins 73% of the series or whatever, that this one was the one that mattered and now Boston is dead? Or It's still going seven. I'm sticking to seven. Yeah, I'm sticking to seven. I mean, I picked Celtics in seven. I mean, am I sticking to that? I, don't, I have no idea, dude. Honestly, like, who, who knows? Like, we just talked about with this team. They've done it twice. The Warriors are different, though. They're the Golden State Warriors. They're hard know. to... The Celtics are harder to trust. Yeah, they are. They're harder to trust. They're harder to predict. Whereas with the Warriors, I mean, they have Steph Curry. And he, ha- he misses a three-pointer for the first time in over 200 games straight. 
And you like this dude's gonna come out game six knowing what's at stake. Like I feel like with this Warriors team, they collectively do know. I mean, like both of these rosters are hustling, playing hard. I think this is a great series. Both coaches have made adjustments. Uh, excellent individual performances. Players coming through, bouncing back from adversity. Draymond getting benched in the middle of the fourth quarter in game four. Comes back out for the last three minutes. Has amazing sequences. Andrew Wiggins stepping up multiple times. Steph going nuclear. And the Celtics, I mean, similarly, like have had some great performances from guys and collective performances too. So I, I just think it's high-level basketball, man. And I feel, I mean, you, you asked about being at these games. I feel like as basketball fans, we deserve a game seven. I hope we get a game seven, man. This series just seems to deserve that type of closure at the end, a close game, you know, entering the fourth quarter and just see what happens. That's what I'm hoping for. I have asked you, or we have talked about this throughout the entire series, both of these teams, and it has been rather evenly matched to this point. Do you still feel like the Celtics are the better team? I think, like, in a vacuum in some ways. Yeah, I mean, like, the... the They're not playing well enough, but The you length think- aspects, I mean, the length aspects, the the defensive versatility, the 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 youth uh, and the upside of Tatum and Brown when you see those guys at their best. But that doesn't always, you know, matter. It's like if you have Steph and Clay. And Draymond. It's who plays <laughs> and, the best. And, and Andrew Wiggins. It's who so, plays so, the best, yeah, right? I mean, it really, that's all it really is. I mean, it, it's who plays the best on a given day mm-hmm. uh, or in a given series, mm-hmm. uh, in this case with the NBA. But I mean, like I, like, I, like I said, you know, again, growing up a Boston sports fan, Chris, I've been on both sides of it, winning championships and losing. Like 18 and 0 Patriots, they, you know, they say in the Super Bowl, oh, yeah, we're only going to score 14 points. That's what Tom Brady said before yeah. the game. And like they, I mean, we're only going to score 17. And then they ended up only scoring 14 in the game and lose. But they were the better team. Just like you could say the 73 and 9 Warriors were the better team. But the better team doesn't always win. They don't always. And so I, I, even then, though, if they're better, like it's, it's by like a little teeny weeny bit. It's not like some huge gap, you know, between Boston and Golden State. It's not. It's very, very close between those te- these two teams, which is, again, why... Like, I'm having so much fun. I mean, like, not all of these games have been bangers in terms of, like, close down to the end, and I wish, I hope we get How that. How about this? None of them have. This yeah, is none the, of them. This is the, none of them. Mo- this is the most entertaining series decided by double digits I have ever seen I know. in my life. It's strange. Like, I am it's, not, it's been fun. It's good. It has been. The basketball has been entertaining and fun to watch, and yet every margin is double digits. Yeah. I can't figure it out. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you would think that something has come down to the last shot at some <laughs> point, given the, what we've watched. But like at the end of the game, it's always somebody's win by ten or more. It's crazy. I hope, I hope we get that six or seven, you know, or both. Yep. That would be that would be sick. Speaking end of game, what we you know what we did get that in the Miami series. We talked the whole time about how that Miami series sucked. Yeah. And then we finally did get it. We got a Jimmy Butler open three. Mm -hmm. That clanked, right? That was going to decide win or lose at that point. Speaking of after the game, someone on Twitter said, you have got to ask Kevin O'Connor what happened to him after game five. And I was like, why? So what what happened to you after game five? We didn't have another climbing episode, did we? No, no. (laughs) 
He didn't have to escape from <laughs> well, uh, Chase Center, did he? Well, I, th- I think I know. I think I know what they're referring to. Um, okay. Let me just walk you through my game five just to hit the checkpoints. Please. I mean, I did typical post-game stuff. Um, I did a couple of, like, uh, TV interviews. I did one, you know, with a Turkish station. Let's go. Um, I did one with a... Did you, old, say, did you tell him Shen Goon's your favorite player in the world? We did not talk Shen Goon. No, what? But, but, but we didn't talk Shen Goon last night, Like, but maybe we'll do another one. I'd love yeah. to do another one. Um, and uh, then I did, you know, a, a CLNS radio, a Celtics Garden Report, an old show I used to work for, uh, and do post-game shows with Bobby Manning and, and my friend Joe Sway. Those guys were great. And, and then after that, like almost immediately after finishing that, Amin El-Hassan, comes over from Levitard and Friends. Yep. And he's like, you've been summoned. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And like, we're walking across the court and uh, they're doing their post-game show. I didn't see the laptop over on the, the side. And Amin and I step in front of the laptop. It's Mo DeKeel in one corner, uh, Tom Haverstrow and Zach Harper. And uh, Amin, like, you know, messes with the computer and he clicks a tab. <laughs> And there's porn on the screen. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, and we just Wait, saw wait, wait. First, like a video? Yeah, like, you know, home, Pornhub, like, homepage search, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we saw our first oh, laughing, and it means, like, no. let me explain, let me explain. And, and it goes into a thing where I guess either earlier in that show or, like, a show earlier in the day that they were doing, there's some uh, 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 actress's name was mentioned, and they were doing some, <laughs> some research. You believe Amin this? Had, and Amin had the tab open. <laughs> oh, research! <laughs> research. Wait, he said his excuse for why Pornhub popped up on his computer I, was I, I, I was I, doing research. I said, <laughs> well, "Oh hey, my I guess god." I was, I guess, <laughs> oh my god! I said, "Why did you close the tabs before you collect what's the game?" It says I was in a rush, dude. It's <laughs> the funniest no. thing. No, <laughs> the All right, here's the here's the real question: Do you believe Amina Hassan when he says, "I was doing research for the show, and that's why Pornhub was up on my computer"? <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> I was doing show research. Well, no, no. I guess the, a name was mentioned on, the, on one of their shows. But that's where and, you and, what and you like, had I to, guess. I guess it was searched for during the show, and it was left open. I, I mean, that's my understanding. All right, I got to go back and listen to that show because what I—that's the level of research that they're doing on uh, Levitard and Friends. They are. <laughs> The level of research is that not only do they have to mention the actress's name, they need to peruse her work to find out just exactly what's going on here. That's outrageous. I cannot imagine how you felt when you saw the laptop and it shows up. That's incredible. I mean, at first I thought I was being pranks. (laughs) That's what I thought it was at first. Because, like, Amin comes over, he's going, like, you know, he's like, you're being uh, summoned. They wanted and, to, and oh, they, well, let's see Kevin yes. O'Connor's reaction my, when we pull reaction. up porno on the yeah. thing. Exactly. That's what I thought it was. But then they found out what had happened, and you can see their facial expression where they're like, oh, my God, I mean, like, they were surprised just as much, if not more. Show research. That's unbelievable. Yep, yep. Wow. It was hilarious. I'm glad a, I asked. It was an unbelievable internet moment. Amin's great. 
Uh, I really like Amin. Glad I, like I asked. Amin a lot. He's good. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Another thing that we got to mention today, Kevin, yesterday I met the number one player on the Kevin O'Connor big board. Oh, Paolo Bancaro. I did. Wow. I met Paolo Bancaro. What, what are your impressions? Give me the scouting report. Chris. So, okay. A couple things. So I went over to a local gym because Overtime Elite which is the league that is backed by all manner of players uh, and people and businessmen and has really taken off over the course of the last year. They have a couple of guys that they were, um, they've been going to some different places and working out with different people. And there's two kids, the Thompson twins, Amen Thompson and Azur Thompson. They're going to play 3v3. Oh yeah, in the the basketball tournament. That's right. So they're like, Six, seven guards. They're from uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They had signed up. They left school. They are playing in the overtime league. Um, Both are projected lottery picks, I believe, at this point for the 2023 draft. And another kid that was with them, who I remember was a top probably 15 high school player, uh, Tyler Smith, who is a 6'10 kid who uh, is from Houston who was also playing in Overtime Elite. So they were coming in town because they were going to be working out with Mike Miller, um, who is now uh, in sports agency, but had previously, of course, been a longtime NBA player, had coached Mm -hmm. uh, at the University of Memphis, had also coached his son's high school team recently. And so he was running a workout with them, and I got invited over to come check these kids out if I wanted to see them. So... I went over there to watch them, and I'm going to tell you something. Um, I met the kids. First, I'll start with the Thompson kids. The Thompson twins. Okay. What did you think about them? Because those kids, I'm excited to see them in the basketball tournament. That's a a great competition. Very, do you know who they remind me of a little bit? And, man, you cannot tell the two apart. You can't tell them apart at all. When you see them, even when I was standing with them, I mean, they are identical, identical. Mm -hmm. It really is like the Morris Twins thing back in the day where it was like, you know, there's those conspiracy theories that one of the Morris Twins played for the other one after the ankle injury. The difference in the Morris Twins is in the ears. Oh, okay. So look it it up. It's true. These two Thompson twins, (laughs) they're like, I mean, they're legit like six, seven or something. I mean, big and they are smooth and they are freako athletes. I'm oh. talking I'm talking like the kind of kids that 
can get the ball. And you see this, like it's sometimes it's after the workout stuff that you see, like a ball will get caught and they would catch the ball under the rim. They're the kinds that can jump up flat footed and windmill it. And like all of their movements on the floor is quick tit, quick twitch. Like, like it's like Man. they're moving on two times speed podcast. Freaky. Right? Like they're just fast. But anyway, they, a little bit, it's like a more athletic. I, I, I hate to do this. I really do because I don't want to compare kids to great, great players. But when you see them, you cannot deny that it's very Shea Gilgis Alexandery, you know? But faster. Yeah. But because they're so big. Right? You know what I mean? You're not used to seeing guards like that. And they're guards. And boy, oh boy. And that Tyler Smith is smooth as hell and he's left-handed, so it looks great. You know? Um, <laughs> it's funny. Because yeah. uh, he's, he's an athlete himself. I mean, they got... But I met all these kids. They could not have been nicer. I met the dad, too. But they were, I, I, you know, it was my first time or ever around anybody from that overtime elite thing. And they had a group that was in town. They, you know, they're filming everything. They got the cameras out. They're doing social media and whatever else. And uh, I just was, uh, the, both parents were there uh, for the kids. Uh, Tyler's mom was there. The Thompson twins' dad was there. And I met him and he could not have been cooler. And like, I just, I walked away from the thing, like thinking to myself, geez, I mean, these are kids that like were in high school. Now they're playing in this overtime elite to prepare themselves for the NBA draft. And you could not be more impressed with them, like basketball and personally, truly. Like if you, I promise you, those kids are going to get in an interview and people are going to absolutely love them because they're just, they're sweet as can be. They're not arrogant. How mature, how mature did the Thompson kids seem when you talked to them? Like much more than you would think. And I think part of it is. Just given like the success and and like yeah. the, the attention they received. I know. And, and you would think like, uh, you know, you would think maybe they'd have a shred of arrogance or I don't know. Like they are, uh, they are really, really sweet kids. And, I and mean, you like the parents too? Did they like, seem I'm, like, I'll just tell you, I met the kids for the first time. Now I know I'm older now, but I, uh, I'm there and, uh, they, um, uh, like everything was like, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, I'm not interviewing them. We're not anywhere. It's just that I'm an adult. Yeah. That I'm at this thing. Do they know that you're a media person? Or do they I mean, just I think introduced you were there? my I introduced myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like why I'm there or whatever. But I mean, like, yes, sir, no, sir. Like everything. Everything. It was crazy. And how you know and so I mean? when, when did Bancaro come through? So then in the middle of the workout, Bancaro comes out to the other side. And of course, he's signed with Mike Miller, so that stands to reason. But Bancaro walks in. And uh, he's just on the other. He's not working out. He had worked out like earlier in the day, but he's just down on the other end, like kind of screwing around and, uh, you know, shooting. He's got a couple buddies with him and they're just messing around, whatever. But then after the whole thing, like kind of wrapped up, it's very informal. Everybody's just kind of walking around. Um, you know, once I get closer to him, I'm like, Yo, this dude is big, like big, big. And I talked to somebody there and I was like, yo, like, what did he, what did he measure at? They told me now, take, take uh, look, I'm just passing what I was told along. They told me that he in, I want to say it was like Houston 
maybe he went to go work out or something, that he measured 6'10 and a half or 6'10 and a quarter in sh- without shoes. Hmm. And I was like, Jesus. I mean, you see him and you I know how he plays and I know what he's like. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's always jarring when you get up next to these guys and you're like, my God, this kid is big to be able to do it. Because I know the way he plays. I watch him on TV. And so I know the way he plays. But, boy, he is, that is a big kid. And he looks, you know, he's not going to have a problem with the physicality of the NBA next year. Because he is, he's a big kid. I mean, sure. he, he, Ben Caro is the type who's going to be able to come right in and play immediately. Met him, could not have been, uh, could not have been nicer. Super, same thing. Very sweet. Same thing. Very, very, very nice guy uh, for sure. And I know that, uh, you know, he's been going and doing all kinds of draft workouts and everything else. Um, And, yeah, so it was the first time I'd ever been around him and just the sheer size of the kid. You're like, jeez. I mean, this this could be one You see him because you know, like the other guys, they shoot around, they do whatever. Um, interestingly enough, I happened to talk to somebody that was there, not affiliated with any of this. I talked to somebody else there that's got involvement in the NBA uh, that um, uh, saw, had just seen a Jabari Smith workout because I was like, you know, he's the one I love. I was like, I, I love that Jabari Smith, whatever. And the guy said, I swear to God, I just saw a workout from him like within the last two weeks, he goes, it was two hours. The kid never took a break. It was insane. Then I was like, Jabari Smith is a hustler. Like that guy, that guy busts his ass on and off the court. You get guys like holding their knees, panting, taking water breaks, you know, (laughs) like they say this kid went two hours and just never stopped. And I was like, you know what? That's what I loved about him because he's got that fire. He seems so relentless and everything else. But anyway, I'm here to tell you that, like, the it, I'm not going to make some kind of, I had not been around the kid a lot, whatever, but I talked to a lot of people that know Bancaro. I know Mike Miller well, and obviously he's representing the kid. The, the kid's going to pass all the character stuff with flying colors. <laughs> like, And my first yeah. impression of all those kids was like, my God, the league is going to be, the league just keeps getting better and better and better. More talented and more talented, but also the kids that are coming in are just so, I mean, I think about myself at that age and I just, I am in absolute awe of them, truly in awe of them, that they can be so mature, that they can have uh, their head on their shoulders and be such workers, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm constantly... You know, I, I really I've talked about this for years on the on the mismatch, Kevin. The the families are so much more involved than when I mm. first started covering the NBA. I am constantly meeting parents of these young prospects and just blown away by the parents. You know what I mean? Not like not like living through their sons or trying to, you know what I mean? Like trying to push these kids along, like stage kids or whatever else, or you know, and uh the league just in great, great spot. It really is because I see these kids coming up. And I'm going to pay attention a lot to that overtime elite 
because my God, they got some players in there. And those Thompson twins, I'm yeah. a fan. I'm a fan. There's no way yeah. around it. I'm a fan. Yeah, I got a. I mean, like, I, I think that league will only continue to grow in the years to come as well. I mean, it's yeah. off to a good start with it's the good talent option. they've had coming through. Yeah, exactly. With the talent they've had coming through, I mean, OTE. Uh, you know, it's a very online league. Yep. But I, I like the if you have those Thompson twins in there, um, and they can and they end up being top ten picks in the NBA draft, that's a great selling point for any kid in the future to say, hey, like come here. This is a, st- a stage where you can get better and improve as a player and person and make yourself an even more appealing NBA prospect. No question. All right. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, safe travels to Boston. And I will talk thank to you, you on Friday. Have a good one, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.